mystical, so unpredictable here on the SNL Network. Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network here to cover the Pedro Pascal and Coldplay episode of Saturday Night Live. My name is John from the SNN. So thrilled to be with you on this Monday night for our roundtable where we do deep dives into sketches and talk about the biggest moments of the week. And this was a very fun week of SNL to wrap up the first run of 2023. Pedro Pascal was a host that I think was highly coveted. And I think he came through, but we're going to talk about that and all of the fun sketches and big moments from the week with a great panel and the live chat here on this Monday night. So first up, let me introduce my man, Sean Grant. Sean, how are you? Oh, man, I'm great, John. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to get into it, man. I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to talk to you. You know, last time, or not even last time, the first time you were here this season, Michael Longfellow had a big moment on Weekend Update. You're back this week. Michael Longfellow has another big moment on Update. I'm his, I'm his, luck, I'm his uh, good luck charm, man. Yeah. 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 100%. <laughs> We've been DMing more, man. I got more screenshots if you want me to uh, drop some shit. Uh, I'm always down for the exclusive, so that's, that's what people come here for, Sean. So we'll talk about it a little bit later. And then uh, joining us, uh, who's been someone who's been spending some time down in Florida, it is Morgan Kaloran. Morgan, how are you? Hello, everybody. I know I miss being on here. I feel like I haven't been on here in so long. Very excited to have you on. Uh, Morgan and getting to hear your thoughts on the show. So uh, looking forward to talking to you about all of that. And then last but not least, it is my very good friend, Mr. Andrew Haynes on the podcast. Haynes, how are you? Thrilled to be back. Obviously love talking SNL with um, all you folks. And I, as you see, I survived dry January, uh, made it, made it through. Um, How can we see? Well, I mean, I'm living. So, okay. <laughs> uh, listen, ha- listen. Ha- had a had a wedding this weekend on Saturday, so that was my, actually my first day back, and I I celebrated hard. But uh, I felt so good from the process. I'm 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 back on the back on the clear stuff. I think I'm going to uh, just enjoy, like you know, maybe not doing too much drinking this year. So it's been good. All I right. feel healthy and alive. Yeah, you do what works for you. So that uh, that's great, Haynes. We're gonna we're gonna follow you on your journey throughout 2023. Which month you're which months you're drinking, which months you're not. It'll be a fun uh, bit throughout the year. So uh, we'll get to do that. But uh, for now, let's talk about Pedro Pascal and specifically the decision to book Pedro Pascal. And I'll take you uh, back to a couple of years ago when uh, Wonder Woman came out in season 46. That was our first season hosting the podcast, and um, you know people were saying, "Oh, Pedro Pascal should host the show," and then we ended up getting Kristen wig but and i was like oh yeah that's a really good name and and he also did game of thrones and i was like this guy was making it really big and then of course the mandalorian comes out over the last few years huge star wars obviously one of the biggest properties in the world so the mandalorian could we get him a lot of talk of like maybe we'll get him because kyle the baby yoda thing even though it's not everybody's cup of tea uh and then believe it or not kyle's not on the show anymore now we finally get pedro pascal and the main reason is because of the last of us which is the biggest show on television 
right now. Uh, this is an apocalyptic show that is not so dissimilar to what's happening or what happened with COVID, but this time it's like a fungus has taken over the world and uh, flash forward 20 years and there's not that many people left. And this is based on a, a very popular video game where um, where Pedro Pascal is playing the main character, Joel, throughout the series. So that's been out for four episodes and is one of HBO's biggest premieres, uh, probably House of the Dragon this past year. And that's, this has been like a huge, huge show on television right now. And the thing for me was is SNL getting a star like this you know of the level of you know some of the bigger names they got in the first 20 years of the show when they used to have the most popular shows on television and their stars come on was kind of stunning and amazing and you know before we get into our thoughts from the panelists i just want to say like i was like you know it's been a long time and and i spoke to some of our uh, to, to one of our interns ellis i asked him i said can you go back and tell me like some of the names of the people from the beginnings of the show that hosted during the primes of major tv shows and like you know ted danson hosting during cheers ed o'neill married with children fred savage during the wonder years roseanne during roseanne you know like uh jerry seinfeld during seinfeld all of the friends stars uh i think except for matt leblanc like almost everybody like you when you had a big show on tv george clooney hosted during er like this is bob saget full house this was everywhere um you know during the first 20 25 years of the show and i feel like we got away from that and how cool is it now to see like everyone's obsessed with this big star and you got him on the show to host so sean what do you think about the decision to book Pedro Pascal. Oh, I enjoyed him. I had to research him again, to be honest, because I, I knew I, I knew his face somewhere, and I, I went back to Game of Thrones. Loved him in Game of Thrones. Uh, that was dirty what the mountain did to him in, in Game of Thrones. Man, you son of a gun! I really, but I really enjoyed him in that. I didn't. I haven't seen The Last of Us yet. I'm ashamed, but I, I really uh, enjoy. Is there somebody on the show that looks like me? Is there a, a light-skinned or a Puerto Rican-looking black guy on the show or something? Because somebody said, congratulations for the show. And I'm like, like, but he was being sincere. He thought I was on that show. Maybe it was an extra that looked like me or something like that. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to go see it just for that reason, for sure. Uh, but I enjoyed him, man. I thought he was a lot of fun. I didn't know what to expect from him. And I, I could tell the cast enjoyed him being there. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to, to talk about him more. Haynes, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, um, you know, in the last couple of years is it seems like SNL has sometimes struggled to really get the biggest names out there um, compared to, you know, what they've been able to do sometimes um, in the past. So this is pretty much as big a name as you can get right now. He's just been in so much the last few years. And I was very late to Game of Thrones. Um, I actually didn't watch it until the summer before season seven was coming out. And I watched all six seasons, you know, leading up to that. So I actually knew Pedro Ooh. Pascal first. I know, listen, I love Game of Thrones. It just took me, <laughs> a minute, took me a minute to get around to it. But I, I, I loved him first. And Narcos was the first thing that I remembered him in. Um, and he was excellent um, in that. And, and he's been excellent in everything else. I am watching Last of Us. I'm only two episodes in. So no spoilers, please. Uh, yeah, we don't do spoilers of other shows on this show, so you don't have to yeah, worry about that. Thank you. Um, but we're talking about getting, you know, just a name that's absolutely massive right now. So I'm assuming that uh, the draw for this episode was huge. Oh, I mean, I could see it in even the podcast numbers from this week. I mean, people are just obsessed with Pedro Pascal. But I think the thing is, Haynes, like we've been podcasting, this is our third season podcasting together. And there's so many times we're talking about potential hosts on the show. 
and we're like, wouldn't it be really cool if SNL could get this person? And then they don't. But now mm-hmm. it feels like they can again. So on top of like the good feel of this run of episodes that seems to be going really well, it's also the booking decisions feel stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that this is a canary in the coal mine in a good way for uh, for you know hosts to come. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, let me get, you know, before we dive into the show itself. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about uh, Pedro Pascal and the decision to book him. But overall thoughts on his performance from this week. Sean, how do you feel like Pedro Pascal did on the show? Oh, I thought he was great, man. I thought he definitely uh, came to play, came to have fun, seemed to um, build a rapport with everybody. You can kind of tell them the lightness and the ability for them to break in certain sketches and feel comfortable breaking with him. Uh, it was, it just seemed like it was super fun. It's one of those shows you watch and you're like, man, I wish I was, I was up in there, man, somewhere. So, uh, yeah, man, I think, um, he definitely seemed to enjoy himself and the writing was there for him. So yeah, it was a great performance. The monologue was, was really good too. I think he definitely opened up to whoever was, was helping him write that. That was fun to see somebody. Those must've been 90 shows or early 2000s. With the uh, uh, Law and Order, was it the same? No, it was the same show, whichever Law and Order was, but as two different characters. That was hilarious when you went back to that. And Haynes, I want to get your thoughts on Pedro's overall performance this week, and we're going to talk about him in the sketches and potentially was he the MVP of this week. But you know, we've had some other hosts as well from Spanish-speaking countries over the years. I think of uh, Sofia Vergara, um, Salma Hayek, uh, Oscar Isaac last year, Antonio Banderas, uh, Sa- um, Desi Arnaz as well, like all the way back in the day. So you know, there have been a few over the years, but not enough to me. I feel like the diversity of just having people from different countries really brings um, you know extra flavor to the show and different perspectives and i think you got that in some of the sketches this week so what are your thoughts on that and pedro's performance yeah i mean we didn't get a lot of specific like chile references uh i mean he did tell a story about his parents fleeing pinochet uh which is you know wild um but i thought his i thought what he brought to the table this week was amazing um particularly there is i don't want to give away too much of what we're going to talk about during the show but there is one sketch in particular that I thought his performance was just amazing. He just seemed to really have the audience in the palm of his hands. Um, but but he did great with everything he was in. Um, I didn't, you know, he, he nailed all his lines. He wasn't tripping over himself. Sometimes that's something uh, that we see with, with folks. Obviously, this is a person who, you know, doesn't have trouble with that kind of stuff. Uh, we know that SNL is a show where, you know, they're reading from cards the whole time because lines get changed literally 15 minutes before the show is going on. Uh, I didn't ever hear him, you know, flub or stumble. Um, So he was like very technically sound. And then also he just, I mean, he had the nuance to get all the laughs in all the characters. So I thought it was a very good performance. Yeah, and I'll say that the other aspect is like when you do something like this, where you bring in, uh, you know, somebody from a Spanish speaking country, let's say, and then what happens is, is like New York City, which is a melting pot, and you end up having more people interested in going to see Saturday Night Live. So, you know, you could hear it in the monologue. I think we talked on Saturday a little bit about it as well. Whenever Pedro was speaking a little bit of Spanish, you got to hear 
the audience sort of like understand what he was saying. And like, that's fun, right? Because then people are like, Oh, my God, I love Pedro Pascal, I want to go see Saturday Night Live this week. So I think it adds to a, you know, a fun aspect of the show, which is having a diverse audience there as well reacting to the sketches. So I just I was just, you know, along with what you were saying, that was a moment, you know, you're talking about him speaking Spanish. And that was a moment that really stood out to me. I enjoyed that a big portion of the audience laughed before it was translated, you know? So speaking to what you were saying, you know, plenty of people who understood Spanish there. So it is great um, having that, you know, that diversity gives us kind of an extra layer of richness. Um, So yeah, yeah, exactly. Was that, I know you're a stats guy, John. Was that the most non-English words in a sketch? Do you know that? (laughs) Let's see what you know, smarty pants. I would say definitely, uh, I would say no, actually, no, I know you're joking around with me, but I feel like, no, oh. I feel like we've had sketches that are complete, either made up languages or, or something like that. Oh. I, mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I, I feel like, um, I feel like there has been other sketches that probably have more hands. Do you, can you remember any? Yeah. One's called protective mom. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll take that one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so that, that was for sure. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, Morgan, let's give this one more shot to see if we can get you on and hear from you tonight. Hello, everybody. Ah, there you go. Muzzle Great. Talk. All right, Morgan, <laughs> tell, you us what you're, tell us your thoughts on, on Pedro Pascal before we dive into the show. All right, so I started watching The Last of Us, and I really think that he's amazing in it, and you can just tell he's a great actor. Um, I don't love the concept of the show. We don't need another pandemic uh, talk circulating society, but... I think he does a great job, and I was actually really excited to hear that he was hosting just because he has a lot of positive things going on for him, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, for sure, and and great to get your audio into the show, so thanks, Morgan, uh, for figuring that out with us. All right, let's dive into the cold open from this week, the way we usually start our show, and this was a cold open all to do with the Chinese surveillance balloon that has entered the U.S. airways as people were like, what is this? What is? Or what are they surveilling? And there was so many balloon jokes over the week, and ultimately the decision for Biden to shoot down the balloon on the Carolina coast, of course, the Chinese were like, ah, oh, it's just a weather balloon. But this was, people were fascinated. And like, you know, ultimately this ended up being like not so serious of a thing, I think. I mean, like, you know, the debris didn't, didn't hurt anybody. This was like a, a, a fun political story. And I feel like, Sean, given all of the serious nature of politics over the last few years, it was so refreshing for SNL to have a political topic to deal with where they could just go and play with it and have some fun. And that's what we got this week with Bo and Yang playing the balloon. And then, of course, you had Chloe Feynman and Keenan Thompson uh, as commentators on this as well. But uh, this was this was a really great cold open for me personally. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I um, Obviously, I, I'm getting all my news from Instagram, like most people. So it seemed like a ser- all the memes I saw was like it was a big deal and serious and we're about to go to war with China, which I don't know if that's not true uh, anymore, but maybe it is. You know? But yeah, it was really cool to see that angle uh, taken. Um, and to, I even saw CBS News this morning. Um, I forgot the lady's name. She's Oprah's friend. I forgot her name. Uh, but she was the, the, the anchor there. She was talking about the joke. She said, and SNL was making a joke about it, how they just popped a balloon. I don't know if that's what they're saying. When you satirize something, you're not saying that the thing isn't serious or can't be serious, but they were having fun with the angle 
that it was a balloon. Um, not that it was maybe, you know, some people could take it too far and say that, you know, they were trying to say it doesn't matter in society, but I think they did a great job just having fun with uh, what, what could be an otherwise serious topic. Yeah, for sure. I think we did have some fun with this. I loved, you know, we, we knew we were going to get some balloon jokes, but there was a couple that really stood out to me. I'll play those for the audience right now. Our West Coast anti-balloon defense system, <laughs> the Seattle Space Needle. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was good and i thought that was clever and then um you know bowen obviously was going to be you know like like have a lot of fun with this and he was like can't believe i'm joe's osama in reference <laughs> to them finally getting the balloon so i i thought this was great i thought bowen was fantastic in this and you would expect bowen to probably play some type of object given his experience playing the spotted lantern fly or the iceberg morgan how did you enjoy this week's cold open Right in the beginning, I was like, oh, no, another political news anchor type cold open. Um, but then when they started to transition to talk about the balloon and then you see Bowen, I was like automatically more drawn in there. Um, I personally love Bowen. I think he's like one of my favorites currently. Um, and I just think he's hilarious the way he delivers everything like all those funny references that you just played back. Um, he just delivers it so great. And I think he really made it like funny and comical. Uh, I mean, even though it's like, it is a political issue and governments are spying, whatever, but they just, they made it a great um, kind of like, I don't even know. I just thought it was hilarious. I liked all the references he was making. Yeah, I thought this was good. And Haynes, you know what the funny thing was? is like I, I saw you know a good amount of friends and family um, the, yesterday, and they were talking about SNL. And of course, you know, like not not everybody knows like how into the show I am. But they're like, "Did you see the bit where that guy was playing the balloon?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course, of course." And I thought it was so funny because I I had this realization like I didn't even think on Saturday night once about the fact that Bo and Yang has you know family that emigrated from China. Like, I didn't even think about the connection between Bo and Yang being, like, Chinese to the fact that he was playing the Chinese balloon. I only thought about the fact that Bo and Yang plays objects. And, like, how cool is that? <laughs> like, isn't that crazy that we got into that point? So, uh, how would you think? So, okay, that's important. Um, this, the, the thing about the objects is important because that is... It's just kind of one of my favorite things in uh, writing. I love to see objects like uh, personified like that. Um, and, it, you know, it, like Fish is my favorite band. You've heard me mention that from time to time. Part of the reason I love their songwriting so much is Tom Marshall, a lyricist. You know, he'll write a song called Bouncing Around the Room. It's like the perspective of a sound as it's bouncing around the room. Uh, part of what I loved about Breaking Bad was Vince Gilligan would shoot a lot of shots um from the perspective of inanimate objects you'd see something carried like the gas can being carried and you're seeing everything from this angle um and and that would tell an interesting part of the story or introduce an object uh, i just love getting inside um you know random physical objects that that do not have life um so i the first listen the titanic thing the iceberg thing was it was unbelievable the first time I saw it. I mean, I remember texting you guys that night. We were all, I was at, I was renting a house at the beach and I just remember watching this, like staying up by myself, watching it and being like, it's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So, um, when this sketch started, 
Um, I should have, you know, known that Bowen was going to show up as the balloon soon enough. In fact, I think I think I read someone say earlier this week that Bowen's going to play the balloon. It might have been Monette. She calls everything. Monette, one of our listeners, just gets everything right. It might have been her. Uh, somebody said Bowen's going to play this balloon. Um, listen, you know, President Xi Jinping says it's just a weather balloon. Our government's saying it's a spy craft. To me, the whole thing is just one big he said, she said. Yeah, yeah. No laugh yeah. for that? No laugh for that pun? Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking about you saying I just love getting inside random physical objects that don't have life. <laughs> um, so... Okay, well, I've, I've wasted my good pun that I like. No, really I'm was... sorry. That should have got a no, pop. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, that oh, should have got, um, got a pop. Did anybody? Oh, thank you. Thank sorry. you for the comedian. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so, t- so, yes. So when Bowen showed up, I mean, the first part of it was, it was okay. And there were a couple good jokes. Like I did like the Space Needle joke a lot. Um, and it was funny to me too when Keenan was like, you know, we waited till it was over the coast so it wouldn't fall on anyone or go, and then land on my car, um, which I thought was funny too. Um, so yeah, it was, but Bowen obviously was the star of this and, um, and it was just a really great cold open. Cold opens are one of these things that we seem to pick apart a lot and they get a lot of, um, they take a lot of heat. The cold opens have taken a lot of heat, you know, in the last several years. This, I mean, I don't know what else you could ask for. I mean, I was laughing the whole time, particularly the second half, of course. I'm going to throw out something, okay? Might eat my words on this. Could be completely wrong. We open up on the Woody Harrelson show, and I'm wrong about this. But I don't think we're getting Biden for the rest of the season. I think that they made a specific decision to move away from J.A.J. playing Biden or Trump now. And I think my hope is that for the rest of the the spring, for the rest of the second half of 48, because we're going to obviously get into um, debate mode, you know, coming up into 49, into 50, it's going to be really crazy politically. But I think we're in that sweet spot right now where unless something happens like very specifically to Biden or, you know, with Biden, that they're going to do everything they can to avoid putting the JJ impression because they're letting him loose in other areas now. Haynes, what do you think of that? I love seeing him uh, be let loose in other areas. There's something that I hope we get to talk about later on in the episode uh, that was very funny from him. Um, to me, that's very reasonable. That I mean, this this pr- prediction that you're making, it's reasonable. Um, I mean, certainly one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, we don't see as much of him. I mean, he's he's getting around. We don't see as much of him as... You know, we did when he first came on the show, they were just hammering us with the Trump. And I mean, it's an unbelievable impression. Um, so to me, it's it's reasonable that we're going to back away from that a little bit. But um, but if I mean, you know, Joe Biden's still the president. Occasionally, there will be things that are newsworthy uh, that, you know, come from his his office. So um, I don't think we've seen the last of that, of course. But I think it's but I think it's a reasonable it's not a it's not a crazy prediction to say that um, they may be pulling back from that. And we, I mean, we all want to see his range, right? Like we can see how good he is at doing these characters. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, Sean, it sort of feels like they got the real Biden on the show, so now they don't need the fake <laughs> Biden anymore. How dare you? How dare you? I want more 
I want more. Okay. I want more Trump. I want more Biden. And that was, a, I think Andrew's right, man. That was so safe as a prediction. It's all, unless something happens, then you have an out. No, say say it, John. Say that there's no more Biden. <laughs> just just take a stand. If you're going to take a stand, man, don't, don't make a reasonable statement like that. Unless something happens in the news with the president, we're not going to say, of course, okay, maybe not. If nothing happens... Where the president is in the news, then maybe not. But damn it, he's well, no, so I'm, good. I'm, I'm gonna stand. No, I'm standing strong on the fact that I think they're avoiding Where's it. Your if money? They can. Yeah. How much money? How much <laughs> money? <laughs> Put money up. Come on. <laughs> My Canadian dollars bucks. don't mean as much to you people. <laughs> oh yeah, he's <laughs> putting up twenty Canadian dollars. <laughs> you people. <laughs> well, hey, hey, where are you going? Uh, it's Black History Month. Damn it. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Morgan, save me. What are you <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a great prediction. Um, I agree with like what most of you guys are saying. Like if something is going to happen in the news or something is worth talking about, they'll bring him in, obviously, to either do Biden or Trump. Um, but I think for now, I think it's good that they're switching it up, obviously, and utilizing other people for other areas, um, including JAJ, but we will see. And I'm excited to see if your prediction comes true. All right. Well, let's go forward from there into the sketches from the night that we have to talk about. So, Sean, where are you going to kick us off? Oh, yeah. We got to start with a big, oh, wait, big, Holly, is it big Hollywood quiz. It Hollywood is. quiz time. Big Hollywood quiz time. You know what I loved about this sketch, man? It was and, and you know, John, I'm not a big fan of the game show. Uh, you know, just because the game is built in, it's very easy to write, right? But this one, for me, I don't know. I'm really interested in seeing if it if it had the same effect on you guys. It felt like I was playing too because I don't know how they knew that I wouldn't know any of this stuff. I don't watch a lot of TV anyway, so I figured this sketch was for me. But it seemed like the audience was into it. Everybody realized that there's so much spread out i guess media or whatever it is so many movies out or so many streaming platforms that there are no big time movies anymore there are no big time shows that everybody just knows so i feel like it hit on that idea and it's real risky because that could have easily i don't know if it didn't hit for anybody that's why i'm really curious maybe morgan's a lot younger than me maybe she might have known all these things and it wasn't funny at all i'd be so interested to hear uh, somebody's perspective from that angle. Maybe they were like, I don't get any of this. Uh, but for me, I was like, yeah, nobody's, you know, uh, everybody knows those, you know, like friends or, or whatever the shows that they started off with in the early 90s. Everybody knew the, the shows, the big time shows from the early 2000s, but Apple TV shows or I, the biggest Netflix show, like, do, do, do they substantiate that? Like, do they... Do they have to show their numbers now? Because I know there was a time when Netflix didn't really have to share their information like that. So they can just say something's the biggest show and nobody's watching it. I don't know. It seemed like uh, I, that's what I loved about it, that it hit on that game and that the game was risky. And um, But it seemed to work. The audience was with me. Or maybe the audience is old, too. Maybe the audience at SNL didn't, didn't know, but maybe younger people do. I'd love to hear you guys, uh, your, your opinion on it. Look, this is a fascinating sketch, right? Because the premise is interesting. And I think the most interesting part of it is that the person who is hosting the show is on the biggest TV show right now. So the irony 
that they're trying to make a point about people not knowing the biggest properties or many of the properties that are happening now because there's too many of them is is an interesting one given that Pedro Pascal was hosting. Saying all of that, to your point, Sean, I want to go to Morgan on this because I know, Morgan, how tapped in you are to pop culture. And I'm curious if you find yourself having trouble keeping up because I know that for me, I'm like, I don't even know like how to handle everything and get myself aware of what's going on going into these podcasts that I'm even doing. No, yeah, like at first, um, I was excited because I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play along with this game show also because I do know a lot about movies and TV and pop culture, even from like decades ago. Um, and when they started like saying some of them, I honestly didn't know a lot of them, and I was really shocked. And I knew like the the Netflix one that they were talking about, like Ginny and Georgia. Um, and I think there was actually, like, I, I think it was uh, this Ginny and Juice. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I think that was like the only one that I really like knew though, um, which was kind of frustrating. Like, yeah, it was like a lot. And like John, like you said, like they were talking to someone that is in a lot of TV and movie and kind of like criticizing all the plat not criticizing the platforms, but like there is a lot out there and it does get confusing. Um, so I was confused also, but I was just in for it and was just trying to keep up with it also. Um, yeah, <laughs> being honest. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what makes you guys know something. Because I know Last of Us is big because my mama put some, said something on Facebook. That's how I knew it was big. And not it's on HBO Max, right? You know, That's the oldest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Yeah, that, that's my mama, that my mama that you learned, it, that you learned about something from a mom on Facebook. From a mom on Facebook. But now, that's how I know it's big. That, like, that's how I know. Here's how you know like somebody in the NBA. I'm sorry I was going to the NBA tonight. This is how you know somebody in the NBA is a superstar because somebody in Latin America who doesn't watch or maybe someplace where basketball is not big and they don't, they're not a fan, they know who LeBron James is. Or they know where, you know what I mean? There's only certain superstars in sports. Everybody knows Ronaldo, even though I don't watch soccer, right? But like when The Last of Us, everybody, I knew it was big because I just saw it all over like different feeds and people sharing stuff. How do you know something's big? I never heard of Ginny and, and Georgie. Or any of the Apple TV stuff. How, how do you guys substantiate that something's big now? Well, can, can I say before, Hans, before you jump in, I think that there's a few ways. One is like, first of all, HBO has established themselves as having like, like the greatest television ever. Like that's their branding, right? So when they they put out and promote a show, it's like supposed to be seen as like a television event, which is something that doesn't happen anymore. And Game of Thrones was like probably the last, it was supposed to be like the last big television event. And then for something mm. like Netflix, I think it's like the Netflix homepage. It probably has like the highest reach in the industry. It's like whatever it says, like numbers one on net number, whatever is number one on Netflix right now, like is supposed to be like the biggest show out there. So I think it's fascinating to, to talk about this question, which is like, how do you know? And I think for me, it's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot of like, hey, have you heard about this? And then it takes a little while. And then eventually it's like, okay, fine. I'm going to, I'm going to get around to watching the White Lotus, you know, <laughs> like it takes a while. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Haynes, do you want to jump in? Um, so yeah, I mean, well, the phenomenon that they're exploring, I think, is one that's well documented. Um, my, you know, my aunt um, and a, and a few of her colleagues kind of 
uh, pioneered um, t- the academic TV analysis uh, a, a few decades ago. So she teaches a course, you know, just where kids like study television and stuff. And um, and she's been talking for years about how challenging it is to curate a curriculum when it's hard to tell what everybody's watching and interested in, in the public. There's just so much content. Just so much content. So I think this is something we've all experienced. Um, and so that's a fun, it's it's relevant. So it's, it's a good topic to take on. My only issue with the sketch was that, um, I don't know, I just didn't get enough laughs out of it. I thought it was one of the weaker sketches of the night. Um, and that surprised me because Brian Tucker knows, he writes great game show uh, sketches. Um, but for some reason, this one just like wasn't hitting that much for me. Um, I understood the concept. I understood that, you know, I, th- I think maybe we were all supposed to be a little out of the loop at times. I definitely haven't, I don't know who Rose Bidenborough is or, you know, <laughs> when, when Ego said career, you know, talking about that person, like, I don't know who that person, I admit, I don't know. I admit, I don't know. I don't know who that actor is. Um, but, um, I just wasn't a huge fan of the sketch in general. The premise was fine. I just didn't get enough laughs out of it. To, to me, it's not one I'll remember. Yeah, I think what they were trying to go for a little bit was like Bowen shaming the contestants a little bit, where he was going like... Last days of Ptolemy Gray. Oh, come on! You've got to be kidding me! I'm totally serious. Like, the, the Bowen shaming the contestants, I think, was the, uh, what was supposed to be the laughs. What was the, like, him, him insulting them and being like... That was 20 years ago. You know, like, that's the type of thing where he was, like, really trying to go at them. And I think maybe, Haynes, would you enjoy this if he was more biting? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, if he was a little harsher, if we had just a real mean, if he took on a little bit of that sinister um, Bill Hader, you know, during the what's that name sketch, you know, just really, really burning these people. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that would have played it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, perspective to look at it. And I think, you know, Sean, the more I think about your question, because it is a very fascinating, like, uh, sociological question about how do we end up, you know, what is the reason in this society where you can watch so much content? How do you choose to watch the thing that is the big thing right now? And I think a lot of it has to do with what, you know, is popularly known as FOMO. And I have crazy FOMO, like the fear of missing out. Like I don't like going mm-hmm. somewhere and then people are talking about this thing that I don't like know what that's about. And I think like, you know, that's part of the reason why people look watch live sports because it's like, I want to know what you know what people are talking about in that case. If they don't love the sport, they're still gonna watch it anyway. So I think FOMO is a very clear reason why people try and get back together in this dissimilated society. Yeah, yeah, and I feel you guys. I mean, you know, I guess you guys want to laugh when you watch SNL. I'm too, I'm too, imp- yeah, I don't know. I was trying to make some type of, <laughs> I don't need laughs. I need, con- I need smart, that was smart shit. That made me think. <laughs> I don't need to laugh the whole damn time I watch SNL. I want to think, damn it. We all have a reason for being on the show tonight, so uh, <laughs> you got to play your part, Sean. You so. guys want to wanna get laughs and shit. It's SNL, damn it. Make me think. But let me just ask one more question before we move on, Sean, which is that is the reason that you chose the sketch and the reason you wanted to talk about it was because you really felt like this was a strong sketch? No, I felt, I felt connected to it. I think just the idea, honestly, I don't watch a lot of television. Um, so it seemed to validate something in me. Uh, I'm usually performing live and I watch a lot of live things, live theater and stuff like that. Um, 
so yeah, I think um, I always feel out of the loop. I'm not, you know, uh, whenever anything comes out, I always watch it a little bit after. Even Game of Thrones, I did get into it kind of late when the Red Wedding happened, and I went I started watching it backwards and then again. Uh, so yeah, everything. Um, it just validated me as a person. It was important to me. That's what right. that sketch was. It made me feel like there was people in society, including that audience, because I heard that felt like a good uh, when I was I, I listened to the audience sometimes and when I when I listened back to this, you know, watch the sketch over again. And there seemed to be a rhythm with the laughs and a good pause. I think when you hear a good stand up set or a good really anything, a play or or an improv performance, when you hear that, that the audience is hanging on to the next like, what is it like nobody knew? Nobody like would know the things that they weren't supposed to know when they weren't supposed to know it, and then the the thing would hit when it was supposed to. Go back and listen to those laughs, damn it! Don't you? Yeah, I'm sorry, I hate being wrong. Maybe you're right, Andy. Maybe I don't know. Well, I mean, look, maybe the new and there's nothing wrong with liking it. Maybe the new FOMO is finding other people who also don't know what's going on, and then you have other people to to connect with that on. So well, I want a, you to know, I took that personally, and I'm going to attack your sketch, Andy. So I can't wait uh, <laughs> to hate whatever sketch you picked. That so great. let's let's keep the show moving <laughs> so I can shit all over Andy Haynes. I'm sorry. All right, let's let's <laughs> all right. coming right up. But first, mm. let's head over to Morgan for the sketch that she would like to talk about. So Morgan, where are you gonna take us? Wait, did all of you watch The Last of Us yet? No. Uh, I watched it on two X to catch up in time for Pedro Pascal hosting Saturday Night Live. I've watched two episodes. Yeah, no no spoilers, but yeah. Okay. So the reason why I'm choosing to talk about the Mario sketch was, I mean, we talked about the show, The Last of Us, is based on a, an old video game. Um, so, yeah, there, here we go. <laughs> Mario, okay. So there, the whole sketch itself like, did look like The Last of Us. Um, I was very, very impressed just visually how they shot this. Like, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I don't know if it was green screens or what. I mean, it had to be green screen. But the way that visually it was at first, I was just like, wow, that they put a lot of effort into this. Um, and then right off the bat, it was getting into The Last of Us. And then all of a sudden, we see Mario. He says, it's me, Mario. Um, I thought it was really awesome that he was the one playing, like, the main character the other main game character in this um, and how they kind of translated it all to Mario's world with all of the other characters and kind of like the storyline. Um, but I just thought it was very well done. And I mean, it was basically like the last of us, just Mario Nintendo world, um, which was really cool, honestly. Um, but just all of them being their own characters, there's some funny like one liners in there also, um, but I just was super impressed on it and I thought it was really well done. So I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say. Yeah, I think impressed was the key word here. I mean, like, how could you not be with what you saw and what the team put together? I mean, everything gets put together in such a short period of time. Uh, the fact that the VFX team, the editing team, like everybody who works in the film unit, uh, make sure to sign that petition, by the way, if you uh, want to support the film unit as they're looking for a new contract. So uh, support to our friends in the film unit. But even I was talking to some people from the film unit yesterday uh, online, and they were telling me just like, 
how they were they they had like one extra day to work on this because they knew that this was a concept that uh, they wanted to work on this week. So they're like, let's get started. And they were working on this to the very last minute, basically up until showtime to get this even between dress and air, they like still fix some stuff in this because it's like basically like a three minute uh, feature film almost or movie preview, like the way that you would look at it. And it was stunning. Now, from a sketch perspective, um, I don't know that it hit the beats of some of the other sketches. I think a lot of people were comparing this to the uh, on Saturday to the David Harbour, um, Oscar the Grouch Sesame Street one. I know last year they also did, um, there was uh, the Bel Air one that they did as well, um, which was uh, in January as well. So I think like th- this isn't a, a so novel in terms of the concept of the sketch, but the execution was really fascinating to get to see. So Haynes, I'm going to go to you on this one. How do you feel about what you saw from new video game series, uh, Mario? Well, <laughs> it um, it felt very Mikey and Streeter. Like you could tell that they wrote this it, that dark twist, you know, on these fun things. Um, and it and it certainly did um, have a lot of similarity to you know the the Oscar sketch with David Harbor, which uh, was better than this. Uh, I mean that that's going to be like a classic. Um, this was fun. It was fun, but. You know, like like you're saying, um, I mean, it, I wasn't like crying, laughing the whole time. There, there's certainly a lot of jokes there. Anytime you take a situation and then you just put it into another universe and you're just doing translation A to B, translation A to B, um, there's a lot to mine there. So, you know, there there were there were jokes. Um, I didn't know where it was going at first when they said Rainbow Road. That sounded so familiar to me, but I, because, you know, a lot of us have spent, spent a lot of time. If you were in college in like the early two thousands or something, you probably played a lot of Mario Kart. It's just like everybody was doing it. Um, I feel like even the late 2000s. Yeah. I feel like Yeah. Yeah. I played it a lot in summer camp. Yeah. It was, it was popular for quite a while, like a decade or more. People were just playing this game all the time. Um, So when he, when, when, uh, when they said they got to get, you know, a package down across rainbow road, I was like, why does that sound so familiar to me? And then of course, you know, we cut to uh, Pedro Pascal as, as uh, Mario, when he give you know, starts into that, it's a me, <laughs> you know, Mario. <laughs> uh, but th- listen, this, I love, I love, I love taking, I love taking these fun things and flipping them on their head and, and, you know, making a, a dark version of it. Um, sometimes I, I have even done that just as a writing exercise. Like if I'm like, if I was, I went through a screenwriting phase, you know, several years ago where I was like trying to write like 10 log lines a day. And lots of times I'll write a log line and then just go and then write the opposite of that. Like take this person and put them in the exact opposite situation and try and opposite everything that's going to be in this story. Um, and so I think it's fun when we see these happy, you know, game type characters or any thing from that kind of stuff in life and then uh and then turn it on its head in this dark way it's fun um yeah but but as you said to me it was it was just funny um i don't think it'll be one we necessarily remember forever at least not as well as the oscar sketch 
Well, mm. here's the problem, right? And and like I, I want to uh, I want people to understand because I think this is going to be an extremely extremely popular sketch that's going to go. It already has gone viral, but it will continue to for for months and months. People are going to watch this sketch, and I want people to understand uh, that we're not shitting on like anything the way it looks or the way it was executed. It's really uh, from a conceptual perspective because uh, Mikey and Streeter, and, and for what it's worth, uh, they they wrote this, and I think they've done some really good work this season. Um, but I think that when you have a sketch where the majority of the sketch is you as an audience member asking yourself okay we know we're going to see other mario characters who which cast member and who is going to play that character that's it right like it's like we're going to turn around every corner and now keenan's playing bowser or now bowen's playing yoshi and whatever and like the butt of most of the jokes is the person is playing the character and there's just not enough meat on the bone, I think, Sean, for that to be uh, interesting enough for this to carry on beyond the fact that you're like, oh, cool. It's kind of like The Last of Us as a plot line mixed with Mario Kart and like there's some Easter eggs in there. But beyond that, like I just wish it like had a had more of a story arc that was interesting as opposed to being like, mm. this is what this is. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, it definitely relied heavily on the on the uh, post part of it uh the writing was yeah once you know it's mario then it doesn't really escalate after that that's the joke um but yeah i think you know i i enjoyed seeing how a different lens can change an entire story that's fun uh there's an improv game uh where you you know you'll have a scene just an open scene and then somebody will yell i'll do it in the style of michael bay and then of course whatever or do it in the style of Christopher Nolan or whatever. And you just feel the ominousness. You, you take a story like Mario and put a different uh, type of lens on it as you would The Last of Us. I've never seen The Last of Us. But, yeah, it changes everything. And it, um, it was in, But the jokes, yeah, it didn't escalate. They couldn't. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need more flat writing in order to showcase what they're trying to showcase, which is the editing, which is what they knew would go viral. Sometimes you don't need too many you know, hats on it because it may distract from what we're trying to do, which is make something that looks dope. I've seen people like be more focused on that. Not to say that I'm a, I like to write. I like to see escalation in writing and all that, but maybe this is what they were trying to do is just like make something that looks dope. I mean, it, it did look amazing. It looked amazing. And to comment on what, (laughs) yeah, to comment on what, what both of you guys were saying. Um, yeah, of course the, the production was insane. No, it didn't have escalation, but, um, you know, I, there, I do think there's a lot of opportunity. Anytime you take a whole universe and switch it to the whole universe, cause you can make jokes, you, you know, you get to make jokes about each one of the characters, Mario and Luigi and the princess and, um, Yoshi. But to speak to what John was saying, you know, introducing a little more unique narrative, like maybe if we hit, like I got a good hard laugh out of Bowen, you know, being Yoshi and then being like, I'm bisexual, you know, like throwing mm-hmm. that in there. So now we're, cre- now we're creating more story, right? And so maybe if we had leaned into more stuff like that, like could have taken us on, 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 on a, on a wilder ride, but, um, but God, what just masterful production. Can you imagine having these resources at your hands? Amazing. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that, like, I think this, uh, let me play this line from the sketch. You can do it! No. It's red. In, in reference to the red shell knocking off Marcelo, like, off the path of Mario Kart, which I think was 
uh, that that was so great. And that was the thing where I was like, what I what I think I was expecting. And again, not every sketch has to hit my expectations. But what I would have liked to all of our points is that like the that, you know, he falls off Rainbow Road and then it's a discovery of like, let's be real. The Last of Us is a very dark show. Like then Marcelo as Toad is dead. And then like, what's the reaction to that? And like people are dying because that's that's the, what the apocalyptic universe they're making fun of. So I just wish they were like went one step more a little bit and i think i would have gotten a lot more pleasure out of something like this but morgan since this is the sketch that you brought to us to talk about i want to give you the last word on it so anything on any of our comments or the sketch itself i love all of your opinions i mean i kind of agree with all of them i agree that there could have been more expanding to the storyline and with the characters but also i don't think they were focusing on that as much like sean was saying they're totally focusing on the production and the look of it. Um, so that's why I think it, it won me over. Um, also, I feel like, yeah, like a lot of people can relate to this. I, like we said, so many people have played Mario games from so many different like eras. Um, I mean, they're still so popular. So yeah, I mean, this can connect to a lot of people. Um, I like wanted more. Like I was like, I wanted more to the storyline. Like if that, <laughs> if that was the show, I would watch it. Um, but yeah, I agree with what everyone is saying and, um, claps to the production team on that one for sure. For sure. All props to the production team there. All right, Haynes, brace yourself because Sean's watching you as you talk about the sketch that you would like us to dive deep into. Oh, better be good. It better be good. Sean, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about wing pit. Because Wing Pit was unstoppable. This, this, this was so good. Um, so, so basically, we have a pre-tape, you know, parody for a commercial um, of you know a Wing Stop Buffalo Brothers type company that's going to deliver wings. And um, so it, it's you know you mentioned escalation a few minutes ago, Sean. This is a great example of escalation that built just really, really well. So we come in right and. Um, Heidi is the, uh, I guess the salesperson in the commercial. And so, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're hyping up wings for the big party. Uh, they'll be delivered just in time. And here are the options we have, you know, we got the 12 wings, we got 24 wings, you know, we got 48 wings and they're getting bigger and bigger. Um, and then that's when we start getting the jokes in as we, start, we start getting up to, uh, you know, a, a few buckets of wings. Um, and now they come with, um, you know, so you get a second bucket of wings and it comes with five ethnically troubling sauces and a gallon of ranch for just $89.99. So that the ethnically troubling sausage got, uh, that, that line definitely got me with the Jamaican me crazy. And, uh, what was the other one? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what the other one was. Um, but, but the second one was Jamaican me crazy. Yeah. So very funny line. Um, and then we, we start really pouring it on and, Honestly, they said Tray of Tears. I On the first watch, I thought they called it the Trail of Tears. I really thought she called it Trail of Tears. And that just takes it to a level that's almost too dark. Like, that's that's like that would be going too far. And maybe Tray of Tears is supposed <laughs> to sound like Trail of Tears. That's what it sounded to me like the first time. I had to watch it the second time. Um, and, of course, you know, you're getting the – now you're getting, like, a kiddie pool of ranch. Um, when they said – you got to try our hard slurry chicken smoothie. 
Um, I ga- I gagged at the same time as Longfellow's character. Like that was disgusting. Um, and so we're we're really we're piling on, we're piling on, and then <laughs> and then uh, and now it's now it's three thousand wings in a black contractor bag thrown straight through your window just in time for kickoff. And uh, you know, and, and Molly. <laughs> yeah and um and then and then of course keenan being like and and you know and and this started a few you know a few levels back you know after the two buckets of chicken wings um pedro's character says like seriously but with genuine like appreciation like thank you i think we have enough now you know like he, he sounds like the the way he would say thank you to someone who just gives him like a dumb comment about his tv show that he's heard a thousand times like he's trying to be really generous um but you know now he's got to get on with the rest of his life and so at this point keenan's just like if you do not leave i'm calling the police and of course then we get the we own the police we make millions of donations so we can operate with total immunity you know and then, and then uh and then that's when we get the chick noble um which I made a reference to on on Twitter tonight, talking about this show: five thousand wings, ten thousand beaks. Um, which was a line <laughs> that that just got a huge laugh out of me. Ten thousand beaks, so gross, so funny. Um, and I love that we take it that far, that we got to that level before they make a really great observation, which is no order of wings has ever come with a by any measure substantial amount of celery it's always two pathetic <laughs> pathetic little pieces of celery or carrot that that come on the side um you know you're getting this massive plate of meat um and i guess they technically giving you enough roughage to maybe prevent the diarrhea but now we're getting five thousand wings you get two little two little sticks of celery um listen that's what vegetables are for man not just nutrients they they give you you know well-rounded bowels um so did uh, not think so, that was gonna come up tonight <laughs> So this is so I love that they took it to that point before they made um you know just uh, before they made that really great observation and then um yeah I, I don't know what else to what else to say about it. the escalation was just prime and so it was it was very dumb and funny but to me this has potential to be a classic like this is one that had enough a few you know gross enough laugh out loud moments that we could see it on a clip show down the road We'll see, you know, we'll see how the public handles it. But to me, it had that kind of vibe. Yeah, let me just say like a couple other uh, great moments from this. I think uh, you mentioned it briefly, but Heidi Gardner's character and the voice that she was using where she was like, we're going to bring even more stuff. And then she was like, just like the, <laughs> like the way she was doing that with her voice was was so great and a great contrast to JJ as the regular voiceover. But then in the end, I love this moment where they're like, why are you doing this? And they're like, to honor Shirak, <laughs> the chicken god of death, you're to save the souls of the chickens oh. you have farmed. Like, oh, yeah. that, was, that was so great. Um, Sean, all right, you ready to rip into Haynes or did he win you over? Ah, uh, he picked, come on. He picked an easy one. Yeah, no, nah, that, that, that was a good one. Well, you know what? It could have been bad. It could have, because some escalation, because there's what's called lateral moves, where it's like we didn't quite escalate. We just did another move. The only time I feel like they, they did those good, the, the best turns, the two best turns were was the chicken god at the end, but then we owned the police because what those things do normally is they're not listening to the people. That's why they keep chugging wings on them is the game. So they're not listening. But when he says, we're going to call the police, they are listening. Like he goes, we own the police. That response is what jolted me out of the basic like form of just what else can we do with wings? Oh, a wing shake, a wing. You can see people do that type of thing in an improv thing live. 
and be just as quick or just as clever. But those turns are what where it stands out as good writing, something that somebody worked on um, and, and really, uh, like you said, made a classic piece. Because without those two things, then you're just you know. I, the, also, the adding the the I guess you'd say the slapstick moment where Molly gets hit um, also creates another level. So there's a lot of things coming at, but none of it is distracting from the other thing. It all works together. Um, the the physicality of it, the the even the the scene at the top. I'm like, this is a very well done. Everybody, you know, looks like eagle. It looks like a real Super Bowl party. It's the week of the Super Bowl. Fine, Haynes. Fine. Okay, you did it. All right, it's a good. You you, you picked the safe one. All right, I picked good the silver you. bullet. I picked the you silver picked, bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good sketch. You 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 got me this time. I'm gonna get you next time. All, All right, right, Morgan. Well, let's get, <laughs> Morgan, good. let's get your thoughts on Wingpit. <laughs> I was actually laughing the whole time, and my mom and I like kept rewinding it to like rewatch because like it was it was moving quick like. Every every evolution of it was quick, and we were like laughing so hard that we were missing it. So we just kept rewinding it, and every time I was dying. I mean, um, it's a great week that they chose to do this. Obviously, the Super Bowl. I mean, this video is going to be circulated around so much, and probably going to be played at like all the Super Bowl parties, which will be really fun. Um, but I mean, it sounded like at first it just sounded like a classic commercial I was seeing like, on TV. Um, but the escalation was everything, and they were really creative about it. Um, I don't think it was stale or repetitive, honestly. Like, each evolution was different. I was laughing so hard when the plane was flying, and they were dumping the ranch. And then I was cracking up when they came in with a forklift full of chicken. Um, just the little things made it really funny, and definitely one of my favorites, honestly. Yeah, I'll also say, like, I'm the guy that eats the celery and the carrot off of mm. people's plates. That's, that's that's me. I'm the carrot guy. So it, there's know. value there. I'm I'm pro. I'm saying there's never enough. You know, they should give you a little more. I'm the one that's giving Haynes diarrhea because I'm not letting him eat the carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on that note, we'll we'll move on to the sketch that I would like to talk about tonight. Uh, yeah, Wingfit, great one, uh, all great sketches. But um, so this is a sketch that uh, I always have a really fun experience when I do something like this, which is this is a sketch that on Saturday I didn't love, but I rewatched it, and there is an insane amount of hype for Lisa from Temecula. This oh. 10 to 1 or final sketch of the night where we have Bowen Yang, Molly Carney, Pedro Pascal, Ego Wodum, and Punky Johnson all out for dinner. And we have uh, Punky Johnson who's playing Shayna who brought her sister, Lisa, uh, out for dinner to meet different people. And and this is so weird. Uh, and, I, and at first I'd like, I didn't fully get it, but I think on a rewatch... Um, and people were like, oh my God, Ego was the most hilarious thing in the entire world here. But on a rewatch, I found it really interesting because basically uh, the game of the sketch is like Ego is like kind of passive aggressive and like doesn't like, you know, like it's just like the weird in the normal group. And then she orders a steak that she's sent back to the kitchen three <laughs> times now that it is so charred she can't even cut it. And the idea is, is like 
she's going to try and cut it but like while she's doing it there is uh, there are people who are under the table shaking the table so part of the game of the sketch is like to force break people in a sketch and if you've heard me talk about this before i've always felt that uh break people breaking in a sketch is not funny people trying not to break is funny so the the question is here did it capture the magic and i think i I think they went part way here i think some of them were were really trying not to break and i think that what's what where there were some laughs but i think the magic here is ego Wodum, who we haven't talked a lot about this season as far as having some big moments i think probably the last really big moment for ego was the classroom sketch at the end of the megan the stallion episode all the way back at the beginning of the season but here we have ego who's doing her very best to get laughs out of everyone else really trying to force them to do that and it you know goes back to the whole you know analysis of like the Mulaney writing changing the cue cards on the Stefan thing to try and get Bill Hader to laugh here you have on screen Ego trying her best and I think it's the improvisation of like her chair falling and putting her foot up on the table and then really like trying to do that stuff or some of the lines she was saying like um i laughed i watched the sketch a few more times to really get it but like really the way she says um here i'm gonna play a few lines this steak is bussing <laughs> she said this steak is bussing or uh I'm, oh, thing up. <laughs> as she's going at it um the waiters come over ask if everything is okay she says oh because we black where she gets gets <laughs> tweeters and then finally uh the line that keeps getting me going absolutely laughing is she yells cook mommy <laughs> with the way she says <laughs> cook mommy uh it was so great and i think it was just like that was so fun to me because i really felt like ego got a chance here in a sketch that we haven't seen all season to really play and show how much of a star she can be so i think that this sketch sort of won me over on second and third watch and i love it when a sketch can do that and sort of change my perspective on it sean how did you feel about this game we had at the end of the night which was pure pandemonium yeah you know and it's, it was a good i thought it was fun how they faked uh the game that you thought the game was going to be that pedro pascal's character is coming on to like you know that whole thing where she was like oh your man need to tone it down with the with the coming on to me and then the button because then you could see that the button would be like maybe he you know he is coming on to her and he or something like that like that's the turn but that had nothing to do with anything that was to make me think that that's what they were about to hit on and then it's all about cutting this rough ass meat um, which is so fun because are you familiar with that in the black community that people we like well done food like is, is that can you yeah so fill us in on that like I, I feel like that that aspect yeah, is, yeah, like, well, is that, like is that supposed to be like a like a known for everybody that that's how it is yeah you know what I've recently been trying medium okay I've been I've been getting a little more uh I'm moving up in the world but growing up yeah black people we like our stuff well done cooked we don't trust raw meats or or any of that. I, I've never had sushi. My wife likes it. But anything that ain't cooked, we scared of it, man. Uh, so that's very funny from that perspective. But you didn't even have to understand that to get this lady. Even if all you understood was she had a tough-ass piece of meat and she's trying to cut it. I don't know what they were doing under the table. I think they did something. Because when he first started breaking, Pedro did, it was something that happened under the table. or something. Because he literally moved his chair back the second time I watched it. And I think... So there was things happening with the, you know, them having fun inside of it. Like, I don't know who, who, who was doing that or what they were doing exactly. But yeah, man, it seemed like a lot of fun. And they kept it together enough to still, you know, get to those different buttons for Ego. So I, I liked it, man. I really enjoyed uh, that they faked me out. 
Yeah, Morgan, how did you feel about it when you're watching it live? Did it work for you on the first watch or is this something that needed to click a little bit later? I watched it once and for me, I love when they break character. Like my sisters and I would go on YouTube and literally watch SNL compilations of um, when they're breaking. Um, I don't care if they're messing up or it doesn't make sense. If they're breaking, it honestly means that they're all having a good time. They're all connecting together. Um, I mean, obviously they broke because like the sketch was insane and I go did a great job holding it together, even though she was um, being crazy, but I thought it was really great to end the night with that. Um, it ended on really fun um, vibes and on a really great note. Um, and I was just like, so curious of like what was happening under that table. And I think there was rumors, like it was Mikey day under the table or like something like that. Um, but I'd love to know more of like the behind the scenes of that and like the, almost like the writing of that. Um, cause it was super crazy, but, um, I'm happy Ugo had her moment and they all had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, one thing I wish was that at the end of the sketch, we saw like who was under the table. Like if it was Mikey Day, I think that makes the sketch even better for me. The fact that like at the end of it, I know it's like sort of like considered non-canon. Like once the sketch ends, it's like we're not supposed to think about it. But I think that's an aspect of it that's interesting to me as well. But Haynes, I would love to know your perspective on this. I just think before I before I get it, I'll say uh, Ego did something in this sketch to me, which I, I thought I'd love to hear your thoughts on, which is that um, it's something that I saw like, uh, again, probably with Will Ferrell or sometimes but it's like sometimes there's an snl cast member who plays a character in a sketch and it's one of those things that like i can't look at them without laughing and like i could only imagine if i was in the room just seeing ego's face and how she suddenly got into character like sometimes your friends do something that you like just connect with and you're like i cannot look at you right now and i just felt like that's how everybody was with ego in that moment like she could have done anything and she had the whole room in the palm of her hand which is a really special uh characteristic of a performer on the show and that's pretty rare so i was impressed with her in this one how do you think yeah absolutely and as soon as he started to say will ferrell i knew exactly you know what you were going to talk about um it's it's when they have the whole you know yeah they've got they've got everyone in the palm of their hand because there's no they're nowhere near breaking and they're stone-faced the whole time as soon as you started to say that i just saw like will ferrell you know holding up the tiny little cell phone to his ear you know <laughs> yeah exactly um so just like it's the stuff that and and he's just like dead serious like ego is so she's so in it and she's she's not gonna break and she's got She's got them in her hands. She's just well. Sorry, you know another. You know another one who reminds me of that Eddie Murphy. Like that's that's an Eddie thing as well. Oh, yeah. also uh, it's a Rachel Dratch thing for sure. And the Debbie Downer, like every time, yeah. like you can't even look at her because she's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there and 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 yeah, it's true. And um, but occasionally. I, there have been some funny ones. I think about Debbie Downer in particular, where she gives that look to the camera and you can see even she's like about to cry. She's trying so hard to keep a straight face because it's just something so stupid that they, you know, that they just made her character say. Um, but to say, yes, listen, she was awesome in this. Um, you really, it looked like Pedro was the first one to um, to start breaking. And then you know, other people, he was really trying to keep it. And that wasn't the only sketch he did it in. Um, so he had a, he had a few moments like this throughout the night, but, but I think he really was trying to keep it together. Um, maybe he wasn't trying as hard in this one as, as in some of the, other, like the doctor um, sketch, but, but other people start, 
you know, trying to keep it together after. And, and as you said, great point, which I fully agree with, which is that breaking's not funny. Trying not to break is hilarious, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there was plenty of that going on. To me, the part that really got me was, and I think this is what, what broke uh, Punky, was when she drops the steak and you just hear it go like thump, like it's so loud and hip, like you hear it thump on the table and then it falls into her lap and she picks it up and, and I said, keep eating it. Um, very funny. Also, as I have lived my life, I will say this. Um, I have, you know, I'll like learn things that, um, okay, so I have, I was aware of this phenomenon that it's popular with some people in the black community have like real, like they, we don't, we don't want anything undercooked with our meats and stuff. Many times in my life, I have learned about something from the black community that I knew about that I thought was like a country rural white people thing. So like all the, listen, country white folk want their meat cooked. Like they don't want, they don't, they don't want a medium rare. Listen, <laughs> listen. I rare steak. I eat rare steak all the time. That's the way I like it. I, I don't even want a medium rare. I like it what? rare. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. All, all, I know. Listen, and that's what that's what my relatives do to me. All four of my grandparents, well done, well done, well done, extra well done. Like my aunts and uncles, when I when Ooh. I tell them I when I order a rare steak, that's the look they give me. Yeah. So yeah. No so, wonder you're going um, to the bathroom all the time. <laughs> You made such a face when I used the word diarrhea. Now you've brought it up twice. Um, <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, I just, uh, I, I do find, I'll just say from like a sociological perspective, I do find um, like there's been so many times where I've like learned something in my life that is like, that sometimes you know, people view as a black thing. And I'm like, oh shit, I always thought that was like a country white thing. So bringing the world together, bringing the world together. Yeah. Yeah, just like Temecula. I think I don't just know like what Temecula, Temecula has to do. <laughs> That's hilarious that it's called Temecula's in California, right? Is that is that the only Temecula? That's the only one I, I know. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's nothing significant that I know of about Temecula. That's why it's so interesting that she's from it. Yeah, yeah look, the, tr- the truth is is that there were other sketches in the night that I liked more. And I, you know, sometimes, sometimes we don't always pick the sketches that we like the best on the show. Sometimes we pick the sketches that we need to talk about, because like I said, this sketch has been blowing up everywhere. People are excited about it. People are talking about it. So I really felt like I wanted to give it its due to like dive into it. But let's go around one more time and we'll do quick chats about anything else from the night that we thought would be interesting to bring up. So Sean, any other moments of the night that you want to touch on? Um, I did enjoy the, um... The uh, what was it? The doctor one, or but I think it could have been awkward if 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 we didn't figure out if Keenan didn't label that that accent as a botched California accent or LA accent. I'm not sure what he said because I'm like, what's going on here? That seemed like a late night sketch, right? Like a later in the in the night type of sketch. Um, but yeah, it just got so silly uh, and didn't seem to be like coming at anybody. Uh, at any point. So I really, uh, I I thought that was fun. What was it called, John? I'm sorry. It was called Waking Up. This is the sketch where Bo and Heidi, Pedro, Keenan, and Sarah are all in a hospital and Pedro Pascal wakes up from a coma only to have an LA accent. I had an no LA idea. accent. Okay. I had no idea what that accent was. I kept saying to myself, "What is, what is he supposed, what is this accent supposed to be? So I'm glad that they clarified that for us. To me, it's still 
you know, was, was not one of the best sketches of the night, but, um, but at least, at least at some point I figured out what was going on. I didn't I think it was supposed to be like a Lorraine Newman, Sherry style thing, like a Valley girl, uh, uh. That, that style. I think it was, that's what they were going for there. Um, yeah, that was a very weird sketch. We talked about it a lot on Saturday. I thought I was, I thought it was going somewhere. I didn't end up going, but I did. Um, I did think there was a couple of cute, uh, lines there, especially where he's like, uh, let's just put a pin in that. I thought that was funny, uh, but that's that's an interesting one. Uh, Morgan, what about you? Anything else from the night you want to touch on? I really enjoyed. I don't know if he was like a teacher or principal or whatever, but um, during the presentation where he was or assembly where he was trying to tell the students to that it was inappropriate that they were making TikTok like fan edits of him. <laughs> Um, I, I thought that was hilarious and I'm a TikToker. So like, I for sure, like see the, the, see these kinds of videos on my for you page all the time with the funny edits. Um, and I thought it was cool that they were using, you guys know, SZA, obviously she was on the show a couple weeks ago. She was in one of the sketches, the big boy and that big boy song blew up on TikTok. Um, and everybody thought it was one of her real songs, but it was really from SNL um so credit to that and i was thought that was cool how they used that in the fan edit good connection um but i loved that one they had really fun uh gen z language references in there which were great um but yeah and then obviously sarah paulson cameo in there as well was the crumbs things real is that a real thing people no crumbs or whatever it was Morgan? <laughs> yeah <laughs> you eat yeah that's, eat that's and laugh thing? they laugh no they really left no crumbs during that sketch. Uh, no, like all the, <laughs> I didn't know. All the terms were so funny. There was, they, they really did their Gen Z research in there because, I mean, I wrote down like a, literally a bunch of them. But yeah, no, really great, great, uh, great job to the writers on that one. I had I had a lot of fun with all the with all the language. I, I hope I learned something from that. I'm definitely going to go out. And and try and and I'm sure I'll misuse one of these terms, but it'll get a laugh, so I'm going for it. Yeah, Haynes, try try this one. You're our beloved, and you have us in a chokehold. <laughs> yeah, this sketch had its foot on my neck the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Your foot is always on our necks. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. I did like that one for sure. Haynes, what about you? Anything else from the episode you want us to touch on? I'm allergic to dairy. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, that was listen. That was that was funny. But to me, this is maybe my favorite thing from the episode. I wanted to talk about Wing Pit because I think it has that potential to go down as a classic. For some reason, we weren't getting quite as many laughs out of the audience. I don't know if there was just a couple lines that could have been punched home a little bit better. But to me, the character and the writing um, for. I'm calling him existential crisis. Phil was awesome. I really, I really liked all the writing there. Um, I just thought it was a great character. You know, basically, you know, we've got uh, Punxsutawney Phil, the you know, the Groundhog Day Groundhog is, um, you know, is 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 basically a Looking apathetic. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Looking <laughs> for that. Bump. Yeah. Um, so uh, and he's kind of this just apathetic degenerate. Um, I just I just love the whole thing about him just kind of being worn out on the world, you know, letting it letting it ride, ride it out is what he tells Michael Che. When it, you know, he asks um, things have been rough, you know, how how, how are you going to handle things moving forward? Um, and he just kind of starts 
you know, he's questioning his own like purpose, you know, like it's 2023. I'm a groundhog that predicts the weather. Like, what is the point of me? Um, you know, and he, he says, uh, you know, he's, he says he's running cause it's not like, not like I'm going to do dry January. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> alcohol, the cool way to wet your bed. Unlike you. Hans. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. And then making the, but then making the, making the joke about, um, yeah about the bump and then um and then, <laughs> and that lots of jokes about drugs you know just talking about needing to touch the grass and see the grass and smoke the grass um it, it just it just it just had a lot of it just had a lot of you know we talked about um i talked about you know loving seeing these fun characters go dark on us and so obviously that's what we had going on here um you know he says something like you know those top hat people touch me probably why i drink um so like we've, we've got those kind of great jokes um you know che asked him if he's seen a shadow he goes well, i'm seeing shadows everywhere um so like that's <laughs> it and i i just i it just loved being in that dark space um and i i really liked the joke about um you know they said the core of the earth has stopped moving and he's like that's for real you know he's like he's like the core of the earth stops moving and they want me to show up to work like i live near the core you know I mean, not that close, but you know, when it stopped, I was like, "Whoa, you guys!" <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that core like, joke oh, was yeah. a good a potential preview to potentially one day having uh, Longfellow on update the way that he delivered that. But uh, as and also, right. yeah, this line at the end. I'm not a bad groundhog. I just like good beaver. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but uh, Sean, do you have any insight from your friend Mikey Longs on this one? Uh, I mean, he did. He was great. Uh, you know, I, I just say, man, it was his birthday, I believe, last week, and we just, you know, I wrote HBD, and he gave me the thumbs up, and that's what's going. You know, just to let you know that I, I, I talk to people who are on SNL, man. So I just had to let y'all know. Awesome. It was a, it was a, it was a white thumbs up. You know, just like his thumb. <laughs> I imagine he was. I imagine he did this and then hit the emoji. <laughs> so it was real. It was real. You know what yeah, I mean? And he wrote, sure. he said, my man. I'm his man. You're All not right. his man, Andy. I'm his man. <laughs> You're not his man, John. You're not his man, Morgan. I'm Michael Longfellow's man. I'm his man. We'll, yeah, we'll, right. give, we'll give that to you. Um, yeah, so his man. His man. Not my yeah. wife. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. It's all good. It's all good. Well, let me just touch on one more thing before we wrap up our discussion tonight, which is uh, I have to say the other sketch that the sketch that I liked the most from this episode that we didn't talk about was Protective Mom, and this was the sketch with Marcelo and Chloe and Pedro, and I just want to give it um, give it its due just for a second, which is like written from the perspective of Marcelo, and then Please Don't Destroy and Asha Ward, and I just loved um, you know this this scene that developed between two cast members and the host, and the host was like you know obviously, you know, having a lot of fun with this one. Um, and, you know, took a really fun turn where, you know, um, Pedro was like, so she doesn't like money. And, uh, Oh, so she's a lesbian, you know, and like really, really judgmental. And it's like, it, to me, this is such a, uh, this, this was so set in reality. And from the perspective, of a lot of people who are like bringing home their significant others and then the mother is, is judgmental, especially, uh, you know, when you're talking about somebody who has coming from a different life perspective, she brings home the vegan sliders. It's, and you know, and the, the back and forth between the Spanish and the English here, I just think this was extremely well-written, really well-acted. And I think that Marcelo is really, uh, you know, for all the praise we're giving to Mikey Longs. And I think Devin had a 
a great episode. I think Marcelo uh, back to back weeks gets on sketches, you know, that are written from his, you know, life view. And I think that like that is fantastic for him. So um, and fantastic for us as well that we get to see that. So I think he's a lock to continue on the show. And um, I think this is a this was a fantastic sketch for me. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully we get Marcelo on here soon. I'm working on it. All right. Well, hey. let's see. work on it. Work on it. I have work a connection. <laughs> Wait a minute. If you do this, that, before I get Mike, oh, we in a fight now. We in a battle. I'm going to get Michael Long. I didn't know we could do that. I'm getting Michael Longfellow on here. How about that? The door The door is open. Um, and then but, whoever, will you, who you going to like better if we do it? You going to like me more if I get Michael on here first, John? It's, it's not a Morgan competition. Morgan? We can, we, you, all who three said? of you can bring I on said it is. cast members if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Watch yeah. Andy just we have Will Ferrell come right from like he's just yeah, hey, Will Ferrell walks into Haynes's uh, screen. Um, <laughs> we all blow up. All right, let's let's talk about the polls uh, from, from let's talk about the polls from this week that we asked. So uh, one of the big questions that we wanted to know was uh, which was your favorite Bowen object that he did, either the lanternfly or the iceberg, or uh, this week with the balloon and the iceberg was like a runaway pick. So that still has a lasting power from when he did that. Uh, so that is number one choice. But then another big question we wanted to know was who was your favorite host so far from 2023. So we have three options to pick from and that would be Aubrey Plaza who hosted a couple weeks back Michael B. Jordan last week or Pedro Pascal so three hosts so far I want to get the panel's choices who do you guys think that the audience shows as the number one host from 2023 so far Sean Ooh, I'm gonna go uh, Pascal okay Morgan what do you think prisoner of the moment stuff I think everyone voted for um, Pascal but I voted for Aubrey Plaza interesting Haynes, who is your best host of 2023 so far? And what do you think the audience said? I'm saying Aubrey, and I think our very intelligent audience will agree with me. Interesting. All right. Well, let's bring that up on screen for those who are watching with us live on YouTube. And favorite host of 2023, 54% of the audience. Bam! Bam! <laughs> 54% of the audience said Pedro Pascal was the number one host from 2023. Who said so it's not far? a competition? Who said yeah, uh, yeah, Aubrey Plaza comes in second with 35%, uh, MVJ in third with 13%. All three were just fantastic hosts this run, but people people loving some Pedro Pascal, so uh, that is for sure. All right, next up, we do have our MVP voting this week, so let's put all the contenders on the table. Pedro Pascal was in nine sketches this week, had a lot of fun with that. Coldplay uh, put in two really big performances on the show. They're obviously a longtime staple on the show. Uh Coldplay, Chris Martin has been in a ton of sketches in his SNL career. One of the you know most appeared musical guests in the history of the show. So great to have him back. Uh, Keenan and Bowen both in six sketches. Chloe in five. Heidi in four. Ego in four as well. Um, we had JAJ and all Sarah, Marcelo, Molly, Michael, and Devin Walker. All the feature players were in three sketches across the board. So a very even show, which is interesting, except for Dismukes, who was shut out this week. Uh, but he obviously had a great week last week. So uh, let's get the MVP predictions. We want the top three from the week. I'm going to go backwards this time. So Haynes, who do you think the top three are for the week? Top three from the week um, are definitely, okay, it's definitely Pedro and Bowen at the top. Um, and then Ego, I think. Um, I think the audience will will might pick Pedro. Um, Bowen was amazing. I think the two best performances of the night were the balloon and the protective mom. Protective mom just edged it out, and it wasn't. It, you know, he came out. Obviously, you get a laugh because it's him dressed as a mother, and he still got his beard and stuff. They didn't have him shave his beard, but that wasn't 
like what really made it funny. What was funny was how well he played that character. Um, he just really sounded like a kind of a classic judgmental protective mom. Uh, the the lines, you know, the way he ebbed and flowed with her emotions or that character's emotions. Uh, it was the performance in the night. Um, and so he would be my MVP, although Bowen, you know, right there. Okay, so Pedro Bowen, then Ego. Morgan, what about you? Who are your top three for the week? I actually agree. I was going to say, like, Bowen and Pedro for sure. Like, tied. I feel like Bowen had a great week and was in a lot. Um, and I think he really nailed the balloon beginning opener. And then, obviously, I thought Pedro was amazing. Um, he was a really great host, in my opinion. Um, and then I would say Ago just because of the last sketch um, to end the night. So that's what I'm voting. All right, Sean, do you agree with our bottom two panelists uh, on the screen, or do you have another pick? Well, since I already won the first one, um, here's the thing. I know Mama Longfellow watches this show, uh, so I want to shout out Mama Longfellow, uh, Michael's out. mommy. Uh, and because, um, you know, I mean, I know he was just in three sketches, but it was his birthday week. I'm going to go number one, and if I'm right about this, this is my show now, John. I want you to know that. But Michael Longfellow, <laughs> then Pedro Pascal, then Bo and Yang. If I'm right about this, I own the SNL roundtable. It's my show. All right. All right. You hear that first. Uh, we're giving the show over to Sean <laughs> if he is correct. So let's find out if he's in the top five. He is not. No. Uh, we get uh, Pedro Pascal, 39%, takes the MVP award. Wow. Ego Wodem, 29% uh, there. So Ego stand. I mean, like I said, it was so popular, people coming out. So you guys got that. Nailed that top three. A different order, though. Ego in second. Bowen in third, 13% of the vote. Marcelo Hernandez at 8% of the vote. James Austin uh-huh. Johnson with uh, with coming out with the very classic line that I think we're going to be playing for a long time. I'm allergic to dairy. Uh, that's going to be uh, that's a big one with his little tiny knives uh, comes in fifth place and uh, just for uh, Mama Longfellow uh, who we appreciate you checking out the show uh, sixth place for Michael Longfellow this week in the MVP voting oh, but obviously had a great just yeah had a great run so uh, great to see so many feature players uh, getting some notoriety here uh, in a good way so great to be able to support them and hopefully we'll keep this up as we turn our heads to the end of February and the beginning of March. We're, we're really marching on towards the end of the season. It's hard to believe, but uh, nine episodes left until things uh, wrap up for 48. And we're going to kick things off at the next run with Woody Harrelson joining the Five Timers Club with musical guest Jack White also joining his own Five Timers Club, the White Stripes three times and then Jack White now twice. And uh, yeah, Woody Harrelson coming back to the show for the first time since season 45. First hosted the show in 1989 with musical guest David Byrne. That was season 15 of the show. Then again in 1992. And those were like, you know, pretty much around the same era. And then we had 2014, 2019, and now 2023. So great to have Woody joining the Five Timers Club. Sean, are you excited? for his show i love that dude man i can't wait to watch um yeah he's just so so smooth and fun you know what i mean like yeah i can't wait to see man Uh, i'd be surprised if it was a flop man because he's just you never know some of these guys man they're they're just so much fun but i don't think he's been with who has he worked with in this cast i think the only people have been around since the last time or uh well no heidi were they all newer people when he was there so he, uh, last time he was on the show, he had Heidi and Mikey were still there, Che and Jost, and uh, Chloe and Bowen. It was their first season. 
Oh, dang. So, you never, you know, I, I hope he gels with the new folks and has fun. And Ego as well, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, had a, yeah. he has a few. Yeah, he has a few, but he obviously has some new people to play with. I'm excited to see what we're going to get from Woody. Morgan, are you a Woody Harrelson person? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not like his biggest fan, but like, I, I mean, I like him and I think he's done really well hosting in the past. Um, I'm more excited that, I mean, it is his five time and usually for the five timers, they always do fun things. They'll either bring out past hosts or past cast members or do like a little initiation sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to that to see. And also, it is, yeah, it's the end of February. So they have a couple of weeks to get it all going. Um, but I think that it's going to be great and I'm excited to see what they're going to do for sure. Haynes, what about you? What is your history of watching Woody Harrelson on SNL? Uh, well, he, he's he's been very good every time. Um, I love that he's going to get to join the Five Timers Club. He deserves it. He's one of those actors that you know has been around for forty years um, and and staying you know staying in stuff that that we watch um, you know every few years. So the longevity of his career is just awesome. He's a hilarious, funny dude. I like his whole aesthetic and his personal life. He seems like a likable, like lovable stoner guy. Um, I don't know if that's true. Maybe he's maybe he's horribly angry or something. But but, but he seems like he seems like seems like a great guy. I, I've always been a Woody Harrelson fan. Honestly, I don't know even what he's promoting right now. Um, but I'm just but I'm excited to have him back, and I think he deserves to join the Five Timers Club. Um, and, you know, and sometimes we get a person, um, you know, who goes from zero to five in like, you know, seven years or something. Um, and then you've got someone that spends their whole lifetime just like, you know, I mean, generations of or at least a couple generations of folks, you know, have gotten to enjoy uh, what Woody Harrelson's brought to the table. So, um, you know, our parents before us and, and you know, maybe if some of us are having kids now, they're old enough to, to laugh at Woody Harrelson stuff. So it's it's just great. Um, you know, he's been around a long time and I'm just very happy to see him get his, his five time. And um, and it'll I think it'll be a fun episode. Yeah, it's going to be the longest between somebody's first appearance on the show and then them mm. becoming in the Five Timers Club. So there you, go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so that'll be uh, it'll be cool to talk about, and uh, I'm excited to get to see what we're going to get from Woody. One of my my favorite Woody memories is in 2014. I think it was season 40 of the show where he did a campfire song about apples. Uh, that one I always got a good uh, chuckle at, and of course, uh, just you know the memories of him and in, in season 15 watching those shows. He was really great. So uh, I'm I'm happy for him to join the Five Timers Club, and we're going to talk a lot about that coming up later on as we move towards that show over the next few weeks. So let's talk about uh, the schedule that's happening here on the Saturday Night Network. So two more shows this week. We have By the Numbers on Wednesday with myself and Mike Murray. So I'll be on that show with Mike. We're going to talk about the biggest numbers and analytics headlines of the week as we break down all of the screen time and everything from the beginning of 2023 and then i will be live at 8 p.m on thursday with amanda one of our great patrons to wrap up the week and then talk a lot more about woody harrelson so we'll talk about some of our here woody moments and what we're expecting then then next monday night in this spot brace yourself because it's the night before valentine's day and it's all about love here and we're going to try something a little bit different and i hope you check it out with us where we're going to be giving relationship advice 
to anybody who wants to send in their questions. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a big SNL fan. You want to date somebody or, or meet somebody who loves SNL. You don't know what to say to them. Well, we're going to have some of our panelists on who are going to answer your relationship questions. We're going to put out a forum on social media at the end of the week. We're going to try and like have some fun SNL talk integrated into the show. But I think it's fun every now and then to like step out and try something different. So uh, TJ will be on that show. Rebecca will be on that show. We're going to just have a lot of fun answering your relationship questions. So uh, whether you're single or in a relationship, uh, we're, we're happy to help. So <laughs> send in your John, questions. John is going to break down. Are you going to break down people's relationships statistically? Like how long they kiss versus... <laughs> Like, uh, have a graph and yeah, lots of screen time. Work? <laughs> next, oh, next. okay. With screen time, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah that that is a non-Mike <laughs> Murray show, but we'll we'll have fun next Monday with that. We're gonna also have an SNL stories coming up, and then we have a super fan takeover coming up the following week, where you'll get to see Haynes on that one as well. I also want to do one quick shout out which is to our you know a very fun podcast with some of our good friends of the show jamie dew and thomas senna who have a show called the snl hall of fame that i've appeared on a few times and they have just inducted season two of the snl hall of fame and i'm very happy for the inductees who have made it onto the show so there was a lot of voting over the last few weeks and congratulations to will ferrell bill Hader, Kristen wig tom hanks mike myers norm mcdonald Alec Baldwin and Seth Myers, who have all made it into the second edition, the second ballot of the SNL uh, Hall of Fame. So this was a uh, very fun uh, season one. Uh, they, they join uh, people from season one who got in, including Lauren Michaels, Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin, Tina Fey, Gilda Radner, Phil Hartman, Dan Aykroyd, and Chris Farley. So congrats to all the inductees and make sure to check out. They're going to begin season three of the Hall of Fame, which I will be uh, back on to talk about Buck Henry in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our friends over there who do some great work. All right, Sean, where can the listeners check out everything you got going on? Oh, yeah, guys. If you are anywhere in the L.A. area, come to the Manhattan Beach uh, Country Club tomorrow. Performing comedy there. And I'm with my improv team at the Clubhouse uh, this Wednesday. And uh, we're at UCB uh, the uh, the 26th. Come check out Bernie Mac and Cheese, uh, 10 p.m. at UCB on Franklin. And yeah, I got some other shows. Check me out, uh, SeanGrant.net if you want to see any of my stuff. Absolutely. Morgan, thanks for joining us tonight, and I appreciate it. I know there was a little bit of tech stuff going on, but you made it, and we got to hear your thoughts. So, so great to get to talk to you. So sorry about my technical difficulties. Um, but yes, you can find me at Morgan Cloran. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, love being a part of this awesome podcast. And I'm just waiting till you bring back the Hollywood dish with Rebecca Nicole, because I was a three timer on that and I love pop culture. So bring that back, please. (laughs) One day we'll we'll do that. I promise. I promise. And uh, Morgan, are you in a mansion? Like, is that, let me see your roof. How far up? Oh, dude, you're rich. Look at your house. <laughs> All right. Save, save the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Haynes, where can listeners check out everything you got going on? <laughs> well, this is this is really big for me. I've actually got a show coming up. Um, it's 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 at 10 p.m. at UCB. My group is called Bernie Mac and Cheese. Um, yeah. If you guys want to come out, <laughs> um, I'm always on Twitter at SNL has a cast um, and Instagram at Kid Through Attitude. Um, yeah, that's where you find me. 
Awesome. Well, thank you to Sean and to Morgan and to Haynes for joining us tonight. It's always wonderful to get to talk to so many great guests on these Monday nights and everyone in the chat for hanging out with us. And I hope you will join us on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern for a great By the Number show as we break things down. So for everybody at the Saturday Night Network, my name is John. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.